Hi, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Sharings with me, Shama. Uh, it's been a while since I recorded the podcast, and it has its, its reasons. And uh, yeah, I I just come to terms with that. I do not want to live under any type of pressure or stress. So I'm going with that flow. And that flow makes me record this podcast when I feel that I have something to share. Uh, I'm not going to kind of squeeze out something of me just to keep a schedule. Um, I will only share with you when I have some kind of insight, some kind of knowledge or, you know, some kind of um, feeling that you might benefit from knowing this too. And uh, apart from that, uh, it's going to be quiet for me. And I, this is not, it has been going on for quite a while, actually, since the summer, I would say, that I feel that when I have something to share, I'm going to share it. And if I don't, I just don't. And I've let myself take time off social media more and more. And it's not because I feel burnt out or I feel, you know, too much stress and pressure. It's just that I feel, you know, I just feel so, so calm and content when there is no, you know, <clears throat> there is like... It's like life in general. It goes up and it goes down. And it's the same with social media. If if we think about life that, you know, we are in a good mood and then we go into, you know, it's like the seasons. Emotions are like the weather or the seasons. They come and they go. And it's the same with social media to always keep pushing at this high point to always keep delivering some little piece of ourselves is not reasonable. You know, it's effort behind that. I'm sure that everyone, except if you have this as your job, you know, that you're, you're posting and you're presence, you're, you're, you are present on social media because you are employed to do that. You get paid, actually. But if you do it like I do it, you know, just for for me, more or less, and for you, without any financial transactions being involved. It has to be according to my flow. And uh, I also watched the, the Netflix, um, the, the documentary about uh, social media, The Social Dilemma. And if you haven't, if you haven't see, uh, listen, seen this, I absolutely recommend it. Um, I'm going to watch it twice. I'm going to watch it three times because it matters. I am, I am, as you all know, I'm an addictive personality. I think we, most of us are somehow addicted to something. If it's, you know, having routines or if it's just the way we eat breakfast or if it's you know, the way we always go to yoga or 
we always have a glass of wine when we come home from work or, you know, an addiction can also be about routines, that we have to do this, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, my nature as I'm like, and why are we addicted? It's of course because we carry some pain. So there is no judgment from me um, when it comes to addictions. It's totally understandable. Whatever outlet you or I have, we have our reasons. There's always cause and action. We always have our reasons. And um, for me... To realize that, I mean, it's one thing to have pain and you go to, to have a release from that pain or anxiety and you turn towards drugs or alcohol or gaming or, you know, yoga or meditation or groups or running or whatever it is, you know, food, because you feel pain or anxiety or stress or something. And then you, you have an outlet. It's not that these outlets are addictive in itself. Some of them are, of course, because you become chemically addicted, like drugs and alcohol, for example. But the other things, you know, you can meditate to feel better, but you can also escape with meditation and use it to have a release from pain. So... Any behavior that is actually good for you can also be a way to reduce pain and anxiety. And that can become an addiction. The scary thing with social media is that the addictive part is built in. You know, with all these things like Instagram, uh, Facebook, and, you know, Pinterest or whatever, Twitter, and uh, all the gaming apps, you know, everything that they have this behavioral um, research done, this pattern that they actually hook us in our, uh, they make it addictive. So it's kind of social media creates an addiction in us. We don't need to experience pain to become addicted to social media. And that, to me, is really scary. And then after a while, it becomes addictive. And if we don't, we experience pain. If we don't receive all the likes we get, you know, want to have, if we don't get the feedback or the response, we experience pain. And to me, to, to, to realize that this thing is actually not only used as a way to escape pain, it creates pain. And of course, alcohol and drugs do that also, after a while, you know, in the consequences. But that these apps are actually with this addictive component built in to hook us up. And that there is really no way out, you know. The only way out is to completely get off the phone and that's not an easy way you know and I when I watch this I since I do so much you know personal research and I really am deep into addiction and you know uh, mental health and everything around this it really scares me um, when it comes to humanity how we cut off 
how we number ourselves, how we choose our phone and social media before in real life connection. And for me, um, it's not easy to just let go of my phone. But I find that the more I am in real life connection with people, the easier it gets to put it away. So to me, I've come to realize that to kind of say to myself, you now, you don't start your phone uh, until 10 o'clock and you turn it off at um, 6 o'clock. That is like, you know, controlling an alcohol addiction. You don't drink before noon and you only drink uh, wine, no hard liquor, and you don't drink alone, you only drink with friends, you know, and you're trying to set up rules how to regulate this addiction that doesn't make you less addicted. And to realize this is like, for me, it's like, you know, I get like a baseball bat in my head to actually minimize the use of my phone. It doesn't make me less addicted to it. It's just a control. I'm controlling my addiction. And I realized the only way to kind of lessen this is to actually be there less, you know, do less, work less on social media and really have more in real life deep connections. So my body, my being, my essence knows the truth. Because the thing is that this can easily become the truth. That what we see and how we interact and how we connect with people on social media, that becomes the truth. That becomes the essence. And for me now, after these, you know, seven months of corona and so on, I long for physical touch, real connection, And I think the way is, you know, as I've said before, the way to stop with something negative can actually be to add positive. Instead of having like this control mind, you shouldn't and don't do this and that, so on, you cultivate the goodness. So you go and do your good things. You choose good for you. And for me... That is like to have a coffee with a friend, to go out, you know, do my normal things, walk with the dogs and so on, and, you know, cultivate the goodness. And I'm really, really blessed because I have, in the middle of this corona pandemic, I've been assisting a group in personal growth, two groups, and up at this lovely, beautiful place in Sweden, it's called Bara Vara. If, if you are Swedish and you have the opportunity to go there, I strongly, strongly suggest you do. It is like taking yourself from your normal environment and getting in touch with something deep, deep, deep inside of you that you later can cultivate and keep growing and so on. <clears throat> I don't know why my uh, my my voice is really strained today, and if it's because I haven't done this in three weeks, uh, or if I'm I'm not nervous. I just feel like anyhow. Today's topic is actually not about social media and how to get off it and how to keep you know. 
lessen that addictive side. It's not about that at all. That's a side note. So today's topic is about parents and trauma. And it's not about focusing on the past and what happened to us. Because what, what happened to us, it did. And we can't change that. The thing is that we need to grow with this inside. We need to grow in this pain. We need to grow in these wounds. We need to heal those traumas. And, and the more I work with my, my childhood traumas, the more I find new layers of truth. And this week, when I was assisting this group, that I got insights so profound that I really felt I need to share this with you. So my childhood in short, uh, those of you who follow me on social media know that my mom told me when I was like six, seven something that I was not really welcome and my father didn't receive me when I was born and when he came up to visit her and she said like visit me in the hospital it was not like welcome you and I really feel these words they hook into me and uh, she said that he wanted to give you up because he said you had like four out of five signs that you had down syndrome and I know, I remember sitting there in the sauna with her, feeling like, and then she said, and then you came home and your sister, she climbed up the, the stroller and she scratched your face. So I had to kind of remove you. And I just felt like so sad for this little baby, you know, coming. And I felt like, mm -hmm. and I always felt like mom, she kind of, she, she presented it like that she was the one who took me home and who, you know, defended me in some way, you know. But I never sensed that as my truth. I had a big, big glitch with my mom, you know, because she didn't express that love to me in real life, in this connection. It was very, very difficult. And to hear those things about my father, of course it created a distance between me and my daddy, and we went there once a month, you know, on the train. And I always loved to be there, but I was a bit afraid of my father. And she told me also that my first sentence in life was, help daddy carry yardstick. And I think that, like, okay, my first sentence, I was like one and a half or something, uh, or two years old. That was my first sentence. So I must have hung out a lot with my daddy to even know what a yardstick is, you know, and to help him carry it. And I realized that then I grew up like this. I was always hanging out with my father, you know, building things. He learned how to create things, and I always carried stones. That was my second line, actually, help daddy carry big stones. Hjälpa papa bara stora stenar. And... And I just felt like when I was in this group, we had a lot of family constellations. This week was about family constellations. And I just, you know, realized that 
This truth about my daddy that I have found the last months, you know, really in the summer I found photos of us and he's looking at me and he's so full of love, you know, he's looking at me, he's always happy looking at me. If we sit, me and my sisters, if we sit together, he's looking at me and I'm just feeling like, fuck, there's, there's so much truth here. You know, my whole being resonates with this truth. And I realized that, okay, when you tell, when you speak about your, you know, what's true, what happened to you, when you tell people what happened to you, that's not what happened to you. That's definitely not what it was. It's one side of the story, it's a perception, it's just words. It's no feeling, it's no being, it's no essence. Up in this group where I assisted, there was an elder man. He was 70-something, and he was disabled. And there was a group of young people, you know, between, say, 22 and maximum, like, 50. And then there was this man, and he was disabled. So, and immediately I felt, you know, for him. In the beginning, I felt a bit judgmental, you know, feeling, wow, he's old because he couldn't walk, he had crutches, and, you know. Um, and then the, the second day, I was like, we need to get a chair for him. He can't be on a meditation, you know, down on the floor. We need to get a chair for him. And we got a proper chair for him, and I carried it, and couldn't get it out from the room it was present in, so I had to walk outside the yard and get it into the main entrance and up the, the stairs. And he saw me carrying this chair, and he was like, thank you. No, when he came into the room, it was like 25 medi 24 meditation chairs on the floor and this, you know, kind of big armchair. And he looked at me, and he just, you know, put his hands in front of his chest in gratitude and he said thank you and he sat down in this chair and this whole week you know he was sitting in his chair he came and he went he, he did this group in his way he participated when he wanted to participate but whenever he opened his mouth and said something something wise came out he told some he shared some and he needed help with laundry, and there was a few things, you know, that was outside of a normal group thing um, because of his condition. So, and I helped him with the laundry, and I, you know, it, I became like his contact, and all the other resistant Shama, can you, can you? And I'm just like, yeah, of course, I do that. And after a few days, I just felt like there's something... You know, there's something new. There's a new quality here in me. I actually enjoy this. And since they were 25 participants, whenever there was an exercise and there were two and two, some one of us assistants has to step in. And I did that. Um, and to sit there and share with him, you know, to share experiences and, and to talk about, you know... Um, past, you know, he told about his life and, and you know, I was so moved and he was so moved and I told about my life, you know, and I also told that, 
you know, it was really like I was happy that he was here because he reminded me of my father. And I told him at one point I said that I'm really happy you're here because I'm thinking about my father a lot this week and and he died when I was 18 and I never got to experience him growing old, you know. And he cried and I cried and I just realized, you know, the more the, the week, you know, developed the easier my relationship to this man became. And at the end, at the very, very end, there was like a last wrap-up sharing where we should talk about, first, what we were taking home with us, and secondly, what we were grateful for. And him and I shared. He was sitting in his chair. And before, when we were sharing, I was always feeling like, because I was sitting in a meditation chair below and he was sitting in his armchair and I always felt like should I also get a chair so chair so this is so funny I know all the Americans in English now chair 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 and I'm saying the wrong thing all the time but it's okay anyhow I was thinking that I should have a chair so I could sit at the same level as him but in the last sharing I sat on the floor and I just felt like this is so right It's so right that I sit on the floor and I look up to him. It's so right. It feels so right. And the sharing began and he shared and I shared and he shared what he was, you know, bringing home. He said that he was, you know, bringing home all the trusts. And he said he, even though he went in and out and didn't participate as much, he said he I'm so content with this week. It's beautiful. I learned so much. And and then we spoke about gratitude. And he said, I'm taking home all the respect that you have given me, all the support, all the love. And I really feel so honored. And I just felt like, you know, this is so important to me. And I said to him, I'm so grateful you have been here this week. It has been extremely important to me because I lost my father young. And I never, you know, experienced, I never had the possibility to give anything to him. I was so young, so I was still in this phase, you know, that he was the one supposed to give to me. I just turned 18 when he passed. And and this need in me, this longing for my daddy, this longing for him since I was three and they separated, you know, to just have him once a month my entire life to not be with him and to not hang out like I did for three years and this longing for my father to for his love for his support for him to see my kids for him to be you know proud of me and all of this when I was sitting there on the floor I felt one thing and that was the opposite I felt I was so grateful that I had this week been able to give to this man. To be there for him, to support him, to help him with his needs. To be a joy in his week up there. And I expressed this to him and I said that I've come to realize that it's not only what I didn't receive as a child that was missing. It's also what I wasn't 
able to give him. It's all the love. And now I get really, it's all the love you know. You know, life is a give and take. Life is a flow. And it's really like, you know, you know, parents, they give and children receive. That's, that's the flow. That's how it should be. And there also come a time, you know, when you grow up, when you become equals, if you're fortunate, when you kind of, you have your own family. And also the parents kind of degenerate, you know, they go back into, and they have their, you know, become, you know, dementia or sickness and disease and stuff happen. And you need to be there for your parents. And I just felt like, you know, when my father died, I... I was in such a mess, and I couldn't give him, you know, anything. I couldn't, because I, I was not in that position, you know. And now I just felt like all the things I never got to give to my father, all the love, all the respect, all the support, you know, all the joy. And I just felt like all the joy I didn't... I wasn't able to give my daddy. And then I can see in the picture when I was a kid, I gave him, I brought him a lot of joy. And to be able to share this with this man, and I felt like, I said, I feel so grateful. I feel so grateful. This is what I'm actually bringing home the most, that it's not only what I didn't receive. It's not only what I missed out on or what I lost. You know, it's also what I wasn't, able, you know, what I was not given the chance to provide and give. And that this is such a big, big part that relationships is giving and receiving, giving and receiving. And I felt this, this love that I have for my father. I don't have to channel that into the past. I don't have to give that virtually or, you know, in my mind, like kind of, I don't need to process another layer of trauma here. I can actually give this to other old men. I can actually, you know, be this kind of loving, caring person and soul and and just feel that there is such a joy in relating with elder people, there's so much wisdom and there's so much joy and to see the life joy in this man who had an accident two years ago that made him paralyzed in his legs and how he worked his way back and his gratitude for finding the, the, the three-wheeler, the bike that he could exercise on every day. He cried when he told me that he found it so he's coming back to and he's so grateful for so much and I just felt like there was no bitterness in him because of this accident and I just felt like wow there is so much joy in this relationship and there is so much that I want to give and I felt like you know I really felt like to my daddy that Right now, it's like I, I elevated beyond my, my childhood trauma and came into an adult layer that I felt like, oh, I missed a big, big part of giving. 
I missed giving back to him. I missed giving, you know, and I'm really, really thankful that the last thing, you know, that I more or less had the opportunity to say to him was, I love you. And I did not even remember that I did that. I wrote him a letter two weeks before he died where I said, I'm thinking about you, I'm sitting in class, and I love you. And I'm realizing that, okay, I forgot about that too. I kind of buried that also in all the trauma, you know, and just feel like, okay, the truth about things. To actually grow beyond what I didn't receive as a child, what I missed out on, and to grow beyond and realize there is so much giving left to do. There's so much, you know, there's so much giving left in me. And it's like my, my, our teacher up there, he said that what you didn't receive as children, the love and confirmation that you're still seeking from your parents and you're never going to get, there are plenty of people out there who can give it to you. You just knock on a door and say, hi, I'm sad. Hi, I need some support. Hi, can you hug me? I need a hug, you know. Can I be small for a little while together with you? You know, he said, you just knock on, and if the door is closed, you knock on the next door. And he was very much like, don't sit there and wait for your parents to give to you what you didn't receive as a child. Most likely it's never going to, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But that is out of your control. But you can receive that from other people. Open up. Connection. And how we avoid connection in order to not be hurt the way we were hurt when we were children. We avoid connection. And he said, you step out there. Knock on people's doors. And I just realized that this parent that I'm missing, you know, this elder generation that I'm missing, my mom and my dad, there are other people who can be that in some way for me. Not by giving me things, giving me love, support, etc. By me having the opportunity to give to them. Because that's where I am right now. I'm actually quite okay, you know. I'm, you know, I, I have grown into a me that is quite whole, quite okay. You know, of course I have my glitches and, and so on, but I really feel that. So this corona season, I've been fortunate to be able to, to be for one of my children's grandmother. And she is the only kind of elder generation person close that I have. And we have, before, she was just like one of my children's grandmother. We didn't relate. We didn't, even though we always spent Christmas together and so, I always kind of let that relationship be my child's. I was not stepping in as the layer between, you know. Um, but she's actually, she's my ex-mother-in-law, and she has become so close to me. She has become much more of, you know, someone you pick up and drive and, and kind of deliver. Is 
now it's much more of a relating and we you know I take her to the doctors we have a coffee we have a talk and I I begin to share about things and she is sharing about things and we're both going to you know different stuff and and it's like she's growing and I'm growing and I have the opportunity to be for her in a way I could not be for my mother, for example. We didn't live in the same town and, and she was always much closer to my sister. And I just feel like there's so much giving in me that I missed out on. It's not only receiving. The receiving part was a child. It was me as a child who had a lot of needs, you know, for love and confirmation and support and so on. And to kind of try to get that now, you know, it doesn't work. First of all, they are dead. Second of all, I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult. And the wounds that I carry from that, eventually they heal. Eventually, you know, when I work through them one after one after one I've realized that okay it's not all the receiving that's missing it's the giving so it's kind of like okay I feel that part or I I worked through that and I kind of the need in me and I can also feel that the need in me in relationship to especially men because that's how my need for my daddy's love has come out in the past I realized realized that that need is actually not there anymore the need for confirmation I am what I am I am as I am and I am what I am and this essence in me is slowly slowly coming more into play in my normal life and I realized that I have really avoided real connection. I took big measurements to not connect too deep with people. And that's because of my old wounds. If I don't connect too deep, if I don't relate too deep, I won't get hurt by them leaving me. So I've always been like prepared for people leaving me. And now I'm really feel like, okay, if I want to stay, I stay. If I want to leave, I leave. If you want to leave, you leave. The important thing is that we communicate. The important thing for me now is to relate from a space, from a platform where I'm clear, where I have, you know, where I'm not compromising, when I'm not stepping over my boundaries or your boundaries, where I'm respectful and I'm authentic and to realize this week that okay there are different layers in this trauma that happens to us if we lose people early on it's not only what we missed out on and it's not only grief for that you know my dad didn't meet my children and watch them grow up and you know um, it's not about that, I mean, that is a fact. He didn't. But I can feel that what is very, very, you know, um, how do you say, feelable in me, 
right now is all that I couldn't give to my father, all that I couldn't give to my mom, you know. My maturity that they couldn't kind of receive back from me. And I, I find that to work on this and to realize that I think that healed childhood traumas will eventually come to a point and a platform when we no longer miss out on what we didn't receive, but it's turned into gratitude, that it's turned into, you know, I'm here because of my mom and dad. I can feel that they had respect between them, even though it didn't happen until my dad died, until he was dying. And whatever was between them was between them. It had nothing to do with me. And whatever truth they tried to enforce on me to make me take part or take a stand in their issues had nothing to do with me. And I lived according to that truth. And I really, really feel that now I'm stepping away from that. My truth is my relationship with my father. My truth is my relationship with my mom. And what I feel right now is that I'm so sad, I'm so sorry that they are not around so I can give back to them, so I can tell them how much I love them, so I can be there, call them, ask, do you need anything? Can I do something? Can I walk the dog? Can I buy groceries? Do you want to come? You know, shall I give you a little massage or you know, help you water the plants or whatever, take you to the dentist, doctor. I really feel like, wow, I would have loved to be of service to my parents. I really feel like, yeah, I would have, I have, I would have loved to, to, to have been, you know, had the time to grow into this. And I'm sure that they are up there in heaven or wherever they are at. I know that they see me and they say, okay, that's lovely. And, and you be, you just be who you are. And this quality is actually, we see you, you know. Because it's also when someone dies and you're 15, 16, 17, 18, you're so egotistical. You only think of you, 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 me, myself and I because you have all these needs and you know you're going to lose someone important and and I really feel now it's important for me to include my papa and my mama and to, to really say that if you were here I would be of service to you. You know, I would love to hang out with you and be there for you in whatever needs you have. And I'm sorry I missed out on that. <clears throat> I think this is I think this is essentially growing up, you know? That you come past all the hurt, that you come past all, you know, all the stories of what they did and didn't do and how they treated you and what happened when you were a child and all the 
the traumas and all the drama and, you know, all the unawareness and everything, you know, and I just feel like, who gives a shit? It's not now. I can't live in that anymore. And I I don't want to live in that anymore. I much rather project and mirror them, you know, in other old people and see, oh, this could be my mother. So you're 85. Wow, that's amazing. Do you need any support? And I've had this feeling, you know, I have quite many people in my house that are elder, like 90 plus or something. And I have this feeling, I need to ask them, do you need any help? You know, do you need support with something? It has been for a while driving me, but I haven't understood it. I thought it had been this, you know, civil, you know, right thing to do. But now I realize there's something essential in me that actually project my parents into other old people. And I see them and I just feel like, okay, what I couldn't give my parents, can I give it to you? So it's not me doing them a favor. It's, it's more or less that I'm fulfilling a need in me that I didn't know until this week that I had. And I feel so, so, so grateful. It's like, it's like the coin has flipped. It's totally like the coin has flipped from childhood traumas, what I missed out, what I didn't receive, and blah, 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 and poor me, and life is terrible, and I tried to commit suicide, blah, 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 till flip. Just, okay. So, you gave me life. You know, you too are the reason I'm here. And... There is so much I wanted to say to you, to do for you, to be for you. And I'm really like, I'm grateful for for the things you taught me. I'm grateful for my mind, for my body, for my, you know, my ability to build things, create things, my, my creative mind, my, you know, there is so much. You gave me so many gifts so much skill, so many good qualities and and also a few negative ones, of course. We all have that. But I really feel like, okay, thanks to my parents, I became this amazing mix that I am. And I have both of their qualities. And for me now, it's time to be grateful and feel like, you know, what I couldn't say to you what I couldn't give back to you I'm gonna let myself do that for others it's a gift to me it's not a gift to them (laughs) and that's also funny it's not to to just realize that (laughs) you know to just realize to to say that okay it's, it's not me doing grandma a favor by taking her to the doctor it's me doing myself a favor It's me giving myself this time. I'm knocking on someone else's door, giving. Hi, can can I do something for you? And to realize that this is an important piece of the puzzle when parents die young. All the things we couldn't give back, 
all the things we couldn't say, you know, and just talk about them and be, you know, talk about them in a positive way. And I really feel like, you know, and I know that all of you who watch Instagram and see my daddy and me as a child, and I'm just feeling like, okay, that's the truth. I'm looking desperately for pictures of my mom and me, but I don't find them. And uh, maybe they will float up. If they do, I will share it with you. And um, yes, and it doesn't mean that, you know, she was not equally important because she is, but I grew up with her. So I didn't experience the loss of her as I did with my father. And, um, and she lived to be 82 and my daddy was 51. So there's a difference, you know, uh, in relating. Hmm. So, so this was this week's, you know, kind of insight that it's not only what, what we didn't receive from our parents that is important, it's also what we give, you know, what we return when we are grown up. That is important. And if there is no one there, if they are dead or we don't have contact so we can give it to other people and to realize that this in real life and that is one thing I can tell you you know at the end of this group after we shared me and this old man and we were hugging and crying and then they played you know somewhere over the rainbow the Hawaiian version and I just felt like a Flow. So I, re I went up and I began to dance in the room around his chair and he stood up and he began to dance. He, st he stood on his legs and he began to dance and we were looking in each other's eyes and we were dancing one on one like and then he reached out his arms and I took his arms and we began dancing, you know. So I was dancing with this old man who just like one year and a half before had been paralyzed couldn't walk at all and now he was dancing and I twirled and and we were happy and crying and I just felt like this is it was such a beautiful moment and I felt like this is how it would have been to dance with my father once in my life this is this is the experience, the essence, you know. I really felt the essence and the joy. And I just felt like at the bottom line, you know, at the end, we are all the same. It doesn't matter if this is my dad or someone else's dad, if I am someone else's daughter, yes or no. We are here now and we are enjoying this moment together. And it brings us both so much joy. And... That was like the closure of this, this week. And I left there with this, um, you know, this happiness, this gratitude. Not only for, you know, you know, this beauty of it all, but also for me being grown into a person who actually enjoys taking the hands of an old man, dancing with him, you know, feeling totally in the right spot, not feeling awkward or self-aware or anything, just feeling like this is the shit, you know, this is it. And um, so we met in, in such a joy 
Jag har And that was that. And I just felt like, okay, these moments, you know, these moments, these connection, connection, connection. I would never meet him on Instagram. Yeah. So that was all for this week. And I have no idea when the next insight or the next need to share comes again. So, so let's enjoy this moment and, and bring this little piece of wisdom with us that is not only what we didn't get, what we didn't receive, it's also what we weren't able to give that matters. I hope you're well. You are most welcome to contact me. But don't expect an answer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I've been so bad at answering lately. Uh, if you really want me to see what you write, please write it in a comment. Because I read all the comments on my posts. But the DMs, you know, it's become like a, I don't know. I can't handle it. Um, I love you. I hope you're all well. I hope that, uh, yeah, that you keep, keep nourishing yourself and keep cultivating the beauty and the joy and, and uh, you keep growing, that we grow together in love. Puss.